Genesis and the, the, the idea that these stories shape our lives. They make a difference. And that's why I originally said it's not just once upon a time. It's, it's twice upon a time and fourth and fifth and a hundredth upon a time that we work through these stories because you, if you get these stories in your heart, they'll help you live a life that pleases God. It's going to push you toward doing that. But if you ignore God's word, you're going to miss out on these things. And so we've got a big chunk to work through. I need God's favor, so I'm going to pray. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for the way you've shown grace and favor. Thank you for everybody that's watching online. We need them. Thank you for Patch being a part of this and how he shares in, in, uh, in living out your word and all of them. God bless right now, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Leah and Rachel. Fascinating story. It's going to get a little intense because these two gals are not getting along. Things are not going well with these two girls. So here's the story. It reads as follows in Genesis 30. Now, when Rachel saw that she had not born, any, uh, born Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or else I'm going to die. Sounds like she's pretty desperate, huh? Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my female slave, Bilhah. Have relations with her that she may give birth on my knees, so that by her I too may obtain a child. So she gave him her slave, Bilhah, as a wife. And Jacob had relations with her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore, she named him Dan. And Rachel's slave, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestling, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali or Naphtali in Hebrew. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her slave, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's slave, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad. And Leah's slave, Bilhah, bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, happy am I. For women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Fascinating. Now look what happens. Now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben, one of Leah's sons, went and found mandrake fruits in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter for you to take my husband and you would take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, therefore, he may sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. They cut a deal. That's what they did. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must have relations with me, for I have indeed hired you. I've hired you. Get your mind around that. With my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night, 
God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my reward because I gave my slave to my husband. So she named him Ishkar. And Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Finally, my husband will acknowledge me as his wife. Wow, the pain that she bore. Because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Afterward, she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah, or pronounced Dinah in Hebrew. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. And she named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. Wow. The tension between these two sisters. Look at this. Now it came about that when Rachel had given birth to Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away so that I may go to my own place in my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, of course, over 14 years. And let me go. For you yourself know that my service which I have rendered to you. But Laban said to him, if it pleases you at all, stay with me. I've determined by divination, that means a pagan, he sought out a pagan God is what that means. I've determined by divination that the Lord has blessed me on account of you, on your account. He continued, name me your wages. Have you heard that one before? That was the very thing he used to set up a trap for Jacob. Name me your wages and I'll give them. Jacob said to him, you yourself know I've served you and how your livestock have fared well with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased to a multitude. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled or spotted sheep and every black sheep among the lambs and the spotted or speckled among the goats. And those shall be my wages. Listen, so my honesty will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. Everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats or black among the lambs if found with me, will be considered stolen. You think Jacob's changing? He's changing. Jacob's starting to get some things about honesty and about integrity. My honesty will answer for me later. Wow. Can I just make a quick comment? There's tremendous power in a clear conscience. Tremendous power. Okay, look at this last section. Laban said, good, let it be according to your word. So he removed on that day the striped or spotted male goats and all the speckled or spotted female goats, everyone with white on it and all the black ones among the sheep and put them in the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Then Jacob took fresh rods. This is fascinating. Fresh rods of poplar, almond and plant trees. And that's actually a chestnut. A chestnut tree peeled white strips in them 
exposing the white that was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the drinking troughs. He dropped them in the watering troughs. He didn't necessarily sit in front of them. He dropped it in the water. Okay. When um, that is in the watering channels where the flocks came to drink. And they mated when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods and the flocks delivered striped, speckled, and spotted offspring. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the striped and all the black and the flock of Laban. And he put all his own herds apart and, and did not put them with Laban's flocks. Moreover, whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flock in the drinking troughs so that they would mate by the rods. But when the flock was sickly, he did not put them in. So the sickly were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Hmm, he still knows how to get one, get one up on somebody, doesn't he? So the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and female male servants and camels and donkeys. Wow. Fascinating comment. And we'll get to some of the science behind what the, the almond rods and the poplar and the chestnut rods actually did. Pretty fascinating. All right, let's dig in. All right. Now, remember, um, I, I was talking to somebody recently and they said, um, Chris, I, I appreciate the fact that you teach and you just don't get up here and yell and scream and say, this is what the Bible says and don't you question anything. Uh, at Christ Church, it's different. I want you to question everything. I want you to ask hard questions. I want you to face the truth and deal with it and be responsible with the Word of God. And we do this together as family in Christ. So let's dig in. There's some things here that are, are critical. Um, regarding Jacob and Rachel in their marriage, and then, of course, Leah and Jacob in their marriage. Remember, Jacob married sisters. It says that Rachel became jealous, but particularly jealous to the point of anger. There was anger toward Leah because Leah was bearing the kids and Rachel wasn't. All right. Now, you have to remember these are very ancient Mediterranean people. They're not Americans. Um, I think it's fun to, to, to make this statement. These people are not white Americans who vote Republican and have a carry conceal license. That's not who they are. They're not Americans. They're ancient Mediterraneans. The idea of polygamy, polygamy is fine. It's not a problem for them. Can any pop quiz? You ready? We're in class. Why? Why is polygamy not a problem for these people? Why? Think history. What's going on? How high was the, the, the mortality rate among infants who were just born? How high? Very high. What about women dying in childbirth? They need a lot of workers. Yeah, yeah. It's about survival. We project our American junk on it and we try to make them out like, well, they're just being naughty. That's naughty sex things is what that is. You know, They're trying to survive is what they're trying to do. So we don't need to project our junk onto them. Okay? And we don't need to make them out to be something like us. Rachel was jealous. You need to understand in this culture, a woman derived her worth from the ability to have children, particularly sons. She is so exasperated. She says, give me children, I'm going to die. She is pushed to the edge of her sanity. And then this is fascinating. 
Jacob's anger burned, anger off Karar. He was raging at his wife. Now, by the way, was she the good-looking one? Ain't it something? <laughs> good looks don't necessarily, necessarily give you good relationships. Can I say that one more time? <laughs> good looks don't guarantee good relationships. Uh, us normal folk look at the good-looking folk and go, life must be better for them. They look good in their car. I look normal in my car. You know, I'm just telling you, good looks don't guarantee good relationships at all. She was pushed to the edge. She complains to Jacob. And he says this, what? Am I in the place of God? Wow, what an idea. It's interesting that when you rage and you get angry and you say something that judges somebody else, you know what you typically do? You give away your root problem. You give away, away your root sin. You expose yourself as you're mad at somebody else. You know what Jacob's root sin was? He was trying to stand in the place of God. <laughs> he was trying to run his own life. Jacob was trying to be Lord and King and God of his own life and make all his decisions and get it his way. And he couldn't stand it if he lost. He had to win. He had to have the upper hand. And so in his anger, he's, oh, am I in the place of God, woman? Quit, quit ragging on me. And I don't think he even realized when he said that he totally gave himself away. So his wife in desperation says, take my handmaid. Take Bilhah, take the troubled woman. Her name was Bilhah, troubled. And children were born by her. By the way, giving birth on my knees, what that means is during the birth process that Rachel would have been there and literally been on her knees to help deliver the baby. And when the baby was delivered, she would immediately claim it as hers. Ancient Mediterranean custom to do that. Uh, Rachel said, God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice. Yeah. Um, she named her, her, this, this boy Dan, which means judge. God judged. God judged and proved me right. And then with a mighty wrestling, I've wrestled with my sister and I won. So they named that boy Naphtali. Um, this, this is how, this is Rachel's heart. God judged me and proved me right. I am a good woman. I've had a child. I won, I won the fight with my sister. <laughs> That's how she saw it. Competing with his sister. Genesis 30, 14 and following. Um, this is going to be interesting. We're just talking about mandrakes. And when you say mandrakes, somebody goes, Harry Potter. You immediately go to Harry Potter. Well, hold on. And we'll, we'll get there. So um, in the days of the harvest, wheat harvest, Reuben found some mandrakes in the field. Brought them to his mother, Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, please give me your son's mandrakes. And Leah fires back a barb. Man, she, talk about wrestling. Leah throws the punch and says, look, is it a small matter for you to take my husband and you would take my son's mandrakes also? Yeah, yeah. Rachel says, we're cutting a deal. I'll make a, I'll make a deal with you. Jacob sleeps with you tonight, but I get the mandrakes. Leah said, deal. Crazy, huh? It's like, what? Well, remember, they're not Americans. And they're not New Testament Christians. They've never been taught by the Apostle Paul, St. Paul. 
They're ancient Mediterranean. Do you realize that Israel isn't even born yet as a nation? Do you understand that? There's no Mosaic law. Do you understand? These are ancient people, and they think and value in ways we don't. All right? Mandrakes are a big deal. By the way, if you ever read the Testament of Ishkar, okay, it's not in our Bible, but if you read that, it tells this commentary about that fight. They're throwing barbs. Leah says, oh, it's not enough that you took my husband. And, and Rachel fires back. He was betrothed to me first. <laughs> yeah. Well, you may, have, you may have consummated the marriage first, espoused to him as a young man when he was young, but he was betrothed to me first. So they're just swapping arguments on who is the favorite wife. Who is the wife in the honorable position? This is tough. This is a tough way to do life. She agrees. Jacob sleeps with Leah tonight. Rachel gets the mandrakes. Let's talk about mandrakes. Really, really interesting. And why in the world is it in Harry Potter anyway? So let's talk about mandrakes, okay? Um, These are pictures of actual mandate roots with the exception of the cartoon at the bottom right. Now, if you're an ancient Mediterranean person, you know, Sonny and, 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 and Justin, you guys are farmers, right? You guys know, you know the science. They're both PhDs, by the way, uh, Dr. Sonny and Dr. Justin. If you saw those roots, what are you going to think about? What do they look like? They look like a human, look like people, right? Okay. This is very, this is normal root structures for, for mandrakes. Now, if you're an ancient Mediterranean person and you don't have the science skill sets like Sonny and Justin have, you're going to go, ooh, this is spooky. There's something going on here. And they began to associate, hmm, maybe if you eat mandrakes, it'll make you fertile. Is that that far of a jump? Yes, Isaac. Exactly, exactly. By the way, Isaac has a really cool name, by the way. That's awesome, especially regarding Genesis. So exactly, Isaac. So they look like people and with long tentacles. And commonly, they, they made the leap. If it looks like a little human, a little person, <gasps> babies are shaped like that too. It's a fertility treatment. Very valuable in ancient Mediterranean culture. And a woman that is infertile, if she can get mandrakes, she would believe that it would help her get pregnant. And that's why she cut a deal with Leah. Okay. Now, do we judge her as being a fool? Or do we say, you know what? She was grabbing at faith. She was grabbing at something to fulfill this dream and this desire and her hope to have a child. I don't fault her for what she did. I understand what's going on in her head. I think it's a gesture of faith. She's grabbing at something. She's trying. She wants to have a child with everything that's inside of her. By the way, is there pressure on Jacob to have kids? Pop quiz. Is there pressure on Jacob to have kids? Yes. Sonny, why? Yeah. What about his dad, Isaac? And what about Abraham? What were they promised? Yeah, in fact, it's interesting. There's two ways to illustrate 
the population of, these, of, of Abraham. Your, your descendants will outnumber the stars. And then it's reworded with Isaac. Your descendants will outnumber the dust. Okay, the dream, the promise, this whole thing is that God is going to raise up a nation that will exceed the ability of a human to count. There's all kinds of pressure here. Okay, all right, now let's, let's uh, I'm ready to turn this over to you. God listened to Leah. She conceived and bore a fifth son. And then she said this in verse 20, finally, my husband will acknowledge me. That's tough. That's really tough. What that means is Jacob so favored Rachel that he wouldn't even introduce Leah as his wife, even though they were actually married. That's how marginalized and shamed Leah was, even though she bore six sons and a daughter. And finally, with that sixth son, she goes, now my husband will even publicly acknowledge that I'm his wife. Her heart ached to its very, very core. And then she has a daughter named Dina, which means in Hebrew, judged and proven innocent. How cool is that? Leah is an amazing, amazing lady. Courage and what she had to endure, endure in an honor-shame culture. It's just tough. It's tough. All right. By the way, just a quick screenshot to let you see the 12 sons of Jacob and how that, uh, you know, six through Leah, two through her slave, Zilpah, only two through Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, and his, uh, he had two sons, Dan and Naphtali, through Rachel's slave, Bilhah. Okay, pretty fascinating. All right, just a quick comment about um, Jacob and and the fact that he's changing. I think faith is maturing in him, and he has this idea that my honesty will answer for me later. I think that's beautiful language. A quick comment about the rods uh, of poplar, almond, and chestnut trees. Uh, what's fascinating is there were scientists have actually done the, the technical work. Sonny and Justin on this stuff, and they discovered that the the juice and the nutrients inside these particular species actually help increase fertility among livestock, small livestock like sheep and goats. Okay, and the idea was by putting them in the trough, the watering channels, he would allow the ewes to approach and drink first and then allow the males to come up behind the ewes and mate. It was a brilliant farming strategy, and the fact that Jacob knew that is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, all right? Okay, let's dig in. This is where it gets exciting. You are the church, uh, those online, Patch and, and Steve, Finley, and, uh, and others. I need to hear from you guys, questions and things. So we got to remember the cultural background. These people are not Americans. They're ancient Mediterraneans. Jealousy and shame were common problems between fertile and infertile women. You can, Genesis 16, a great story, where Sarah is, is infertile, so she gives Hagar to Abraham. He has a child by Hagar, and once, once 
Sarah saw how delighted Abraham was to hold his little boy. What happened to Sarah? What did she do? She raged against Hagar. So much so that she kicks him out. And so she's now, you know, out on the streets. She's kicked out with a baby boy and with nobody. Yeah. Very, very common problem. Uh, God, it's, it's be- this is a story of grace because God is continuing to work all things together, even with people who were sinful, deceitful, jealous, and had anger issues, just like me, just like you. When we judge in anger, we usually expose our own root sins. Usually. Okay. What are the mandrakes of our culture? <laughs> That's a great question. Do we have any, are there any mandrakes in your life that you're turning to? Any superstitions that you have that you think, hmm, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, how can honesty answer for us later? I love that line. What about a clear conscience? Uh, you know, Brian, I know as a cop, because you train cops to be good cops. If they see you doing the right thing on the front end, it's going to help things go well on the back end, right? right? You mess up on the front end, it's bad. It's bad, yeah. Look at this from Acts 24. This is Paul confessing. Paul says, in view of all of this, I do my best to maintain a blameless conscience before both God and before other people, always. And a clear conscience and keeping it straight and clean on the front end helps things go really well later on. Paul said the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and from a good conscience and a sincere faith. Are comparing and faith compatible? Well, she had six kids. I only have two. Oh, I'm a bad woman. I only have, I only have two. You know, what do you think? She's comparing herself What's that? So she's comparing herself incorrectly. Interesting, which leads to this comment. What difference would Christ's esteem make in our lives? Yes, yes. Yep. Now you're the church and the Apostle Paul makes it very, very clear in Romans 12 to 14, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, huge chapters that teach us we have spiritual gifts and we can speak words of discernment, words of encouragement, words of mercy. We can, we can get this. So here's the, the great question that you get at Christ Church. You're the church. You should own this. This is, this is, this is my story. This is from the word of God. I need to do something with this story, just like you. Now, if we're going to pull this 3,000 years forward to our world, and actually more than that, if we're going to pull it into our world today, Jacob, Laban, Leah, Rachel, how do we live this out? You're the church. And Stephen, anybody online, if there's questions or anything, let me know. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Edie. Well, this whole thing of comparing each other as believers, that's just a real tool of Satan with us. Because if he can get us to compare, and he can, yeah. you know, I can testify to that, 
then, then we begin to work our way to be better before God, and we forget that it's all by grace, and he can just turn us into works-based believers in a heartbeat when we're trying to be as good as the person next to us or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's so good, Edie. Brian? Let's, if we can count the sins in this, the pride, the envy, um, um, the, it, it's, that's where that all falls into, right? All the, all the pride and envy of the women and of Jacob. Um, Leah says now he's going to acknowledge me. Does he? Does he? I don't, that's, that's the question. It doesn't say that he did. Other than that, that she is a part who brought six of the twelve tribes in. Yeah. Bring it in today. Yeah. Last week I had a call. We talked about that. We had a call. Um, Mother daughter disturbance. The, the daughter has got has got some issues, some drug issues. I can tell. And I'm sitting there talking to her, uh, de-escalating the situation. Oh, You're a good cop. And she says, and she says, all I want is for approval. Wow. Right? And I lean into her and I go, you may never get it. Yeah. And that's what yeah. Leah was. It, it, it doesn't say Jacob. It doesn't say. It doesn't say, yeah. That was brilliant, by the way. A brilliant question you may never, or statement. You may never get it. Yeah. That, that's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else. Why does this story matter? Sloan. Well, I have a question. Okay. I don't think so, but I, but I love the way you're thinking. Thank you so much. Jacob is picking these lambs because they're easily accounted for visually, the spotted, speckled, striped. Those are easy to count. If they're all white, you don't know who's whose. He wants to make Laban see, obviously, his goats, his sheep, have a coloring that's distinctive, and Jacob does too. Yeah. He wants to prove that this is a God thing. They may have different skin, you know, coat patterns, but yeah. All right, yeah. Thank you question. So then a few chapters down the road, when um, he's going back to meet his brother, and his brother offers him his flock, and he says no, does he end up taking it or not? Can he, does he, he it doesn't say expressly, but it, we assume he, he did. He accepts it. So then... Which would have been some of these. Well, I mean, he, he became, had a vast, vast herd. Yeah. Yeah. But that's great. And boy, the story of when those two are restored. Wow. What a story, Michael. I got a question as well. Um, dang, it seriously just left me. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I feel better. Do you feel better? I feel a lot better. See, this I mean, is the quickest that's ever happened. <laughs> just come back to me. <laughs> 
Someone else. Why does this matter? Yes, well, Sonny. Well, this didn't go into necessarily why it, why it matters, but I had done some reading on that as well. Um, and apparently the spotted and the stripe, that was not dominant. So he shouldn't have had a bigger herd. Yeah. That was, I guess it is just kind of pertain to it. So yeah. the white yeah. was the dominant trait. This is a and God thing. So it's a God thing. That's what I was going to say. It points yeah. out that he was actually kind of seemingly humble in taking the, you know, the yes. spotted and, yes. and the color because that was yeah. not. And that has everything to do with the statement, my honesty will answer for me later, which is brilliant. Yes, Lisa. I love that, Lisa. Thank you so much. Lisa, the story also reminds me of the story where Jesus tells the disciples and particularly tells Peter, cast the net again. Look, I've worked all night long. We're tired, please. But nonetheless, at your word, they do. And they pull in a haul of fish so, so big that the boats almost sink. In other words, when we do it God's way, it works. And it's abundant and beautiful. So, Michael? Yes, sir. Um, okay, so from your understanding, what was Jacob's point in this? Like, was it revenge? What, because if I put myself in his shoes, I would want my father-in-law's flock to prosper as well. Yeah. So what drove him to not just leave those rods in the trough for all of it? Do you think Joseph, uh, Jacob had a chip on his shoulder toward Laban? Mm-hmm. Philip, why? I think his middle name. I think for being <laughs> such a, Jacob being such a deceiver, to be deceived on his own and from his uncle in a way, really hurt he at him. The deceiver got deceived. Exactly. I think I think Jacob had a chip on his shoulder toward Laban. Uh, just like there was tension between Leah and Rachel, there's tension between Jacob. And I wouldn't be in that position at all in my life. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but remember, you know, isn't it beautiful? I remember when, when uh, Deanna, Deanna's here, Deanna spoke so well that God uses broken, messed up people. And the, the activity of God in your life is based on grace, not based on your ability to be flawless and morally squeaky clean. That's not what releases God's work in your life, God chooses and God loves and God blesses through grace, not through the keeping of the law. Stephen. Yeah, Patch Online says, comparing ourselves with other people, ideologies, and worldviews can allow us to unintentionally fall into the spiritual arrogance that can prevent God's standard from being known, God's way of living and loving each other and the world. 
Mm. Thank you, Patch. That is so good. Um, the fact is, when we start comparing ourselves with other people, we literally take our eyes off of Jesus and we fixate on the person we're jealous of. Well, she's better looking than I am, and so you, you make it about her. Or he's has bigger muscles than I do, and so he's better than I am. Or whatever the issues, it doesn't matter. And you start fixating on those people to the point that you can't even get your eyes on Jesus anymore, and you miss it. So, Philip, I, I'm looping uh, around here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I had a couple thoughts come up. One being, this was not like... We had the benefit of reading this entire story in verses, but this was years. We all know biologically it takes nine months usually for a kid to come along, and there's 12 here. So this is an ongoing feud for years on years in, and I'm sure that whole household was just in tumult through it all. But like you're saying, and I think point three is just so critical of God's continuing 